Hello again. Thanks for clicking on to another Jiffy and Stubbsy. Where would we be without nicknames? We have had some terrific guests over this series and the previous series. I should say grateful thanks to Kerry London for sponsoring this series of podcasts. We're very grateful for them. And there are some difficult times right now financially. If you need any insurance advice, go to Kerry London. So today's guest, hang on. If there was a world champion of promoting sporting events, it's this man. So influential in snooker. And I had the privilege of sort of being around his company at the time where he got hold of the sport and took it around the world. When you think of what he's done with the sport of darts, unbelievable. I always thought, I'm going to ask him, it's a challenge getting into the world of boxing. But this man did it, took it on the chin and won and got the decision. He turned fishing into a massive TV sport. His popularity was terrific, but he turned it into a TV sport. Had a little go in professional football with Leighton Orient, and I'm keen to get his observations of how he viewed the world of professional football. And there are other sports, and there are other sports, and there are other sports. Uh, thank you to Barry Hearn for joining us today. Barry, hope you're well, back fighting fit. I know you had to go into isolation over uh, COVID. How did you spend the time? I would imagine you're like a caged animal. You probably, but you probably didn't stop working then. I had a I had a few days where I didn't know my own name, so that wasn't useful. Uh, and then I, you know, this is quite. I mean, obviously, this is a serious time for the nation, and we can't make fun of it. But it is debilitating. You know, I think I spent seven or eight days in bed, which you know, I've never had a hangover that lasted that long. So it. Uh, it wasn't pleasant, but you know you do. Eventually, it's like a little treat when you can get out of bed and actually start thinking about working. After a week or so, I was getting withdrawal symptoms because my work is such a massive part of my life. You know, it's what I do. I don't know anything else, and take that away, and I'm just bumbling old man. But you know, give me a give me a problem, and COVID has given us all massive problems in the world of sport. You know, I thrive on that type of uh, atmosphere. I like to be the one that says, why not? Not, I don't ever stick my head in the sand and say, wake me up when this is over. A, a lot of people do. A lot of people haven't got the resource to cope with it. But I actually, in a strange way, find COVID-19 quite motivating. So how have you managed it, Bart? How have you managed it? Like what, what has been the biggest, you know, significant difference for you during COVID? You go on with your normal life and your normal business activities. Yeah, I mean, uh, business is, is my life anyway. So yeah. I've got 650 event days around the world every year. And suddenly I've got no, I've got no event days because I've got no yeah. events. So this was not a good career move, you know? When you spend 40 odd years of your life getting that buzz, that adrenaline rush that we all get being involved in any way in professional sport, participator, spectator, organiser, there's a rush of adrenaline that suddenly is not there. So you have to start off by saying, right, firstly, let's accept where we are, the reality. It's important to take on reality. So, right, I'm in the shit. Okay, that's number one. There's no getting away from it. Don't kid oh. yourself. Number two is, it's going to cost a lot of money to carry on a normal life and fulfill your obligations. My obligations are professional, are to professional sportsmen and women. I provide them work. 
And if I don't do it, they don't have any work and they're out of business and no one feeds their family. So my number one job is let's maintain activity. But it's going to be a different type of activity because there's no crowds, for example, or you know, sponsors are saying, well, you know, do we really want to... The funny thing about it is the TV ratings of all the events we've been doing have gone through the roof. Because yeah, exactly. there isn't that much else on. I mean, there's a bit of football. Of course, there's always bloody football, isn't there? Yeah. But yeah. the rest of it, they've all disappeared. And the reason why? Because they never ran a proper business in the first place. They didn't think about Armageddon. And this is Armageddon. This is a world war. Well, we at Matram, because we're old-fashioned working-class people, we always think, we've always thought about there's bound to be a disaster. We'll put a few quid away just so that we know we can cope with whatever the good Lord throws us. And he's thrown plenty, and we've kept it, and we've thrown a lot more back because we can afford it. Now, we can't afford it for more than 10 years, but let's hope that within those 10 years we get back to normal. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to lead an abnormal life in these abnormal times. People have to eat. You know, governments have to be educated as their responsibilities change. People have to understand that maybe you can't go out as much as you want. You know, people have to understand, listen, you're just a click on the TV away and our job is to make it as exciting as possible. No. When I put darts behind closed doors, I was so fearful of thinking, this is the end. You know, the darts is built around atmosphere. It was unbelievable. 40% up on TV ratings, a little bit of mysterious noise in the background. The players got involved as if there was a crowd there. They got into their bubble and we produced great events. So there yeah. is a way around it without giving up, but it's going to be difficult and it's only the strong shall survive. You know, you're going to but see... It's important though, Barry. I think this is emphasised how important sport is to people because like last Saturday in my environment, it was like soccer and rugby um, yeah. and all sports on, on, the, on the Saturday. And we're in Wales, it was our first day of lockdown. So we got back in, but the clocks went back. The weather was dreadful, right? It was, it was Armageddon. It was absolute shite, okay? Yeah. It was my birthday as well. So typical, on, on my birthday, everything closed down, right? So I got it in on a Friday. It got smashed on Friday. But then on Saturday, for me, sport was just, the answer because I sat there all day even my, my wife sat next door to me and watched it doesn't matter what sport it was you was right there was a yeah. click there's a little click and then you yeah. can get into it yeah. because we couldn't go out so I think this is emphasised how important sport is to people you know the mental health issues um, getting fit about, about it but also how important atmosphere is in that environment yeah. and support is a massive part of sport well, really, how do you see uh, the government leadership in sport? How do you see the government leading? Because sport is a vital part of our yeah. society. I mean, I think like most things, it's ever too easy to be critical because they've made loads of mistakes. Uh, retrospectively, you look back and say, shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that. These are, these are unique times. So I'm going to give you a little bit of slack in terms of who knows who took out to cope because we're none of us are geniuses, none of us can see the future, and none of us saw this coming. But there now needs to, we're now, we've gone through that excuse time now. You know, we've had six months of this now. It's been horrendous, and, and you know, lots of people have lost their lives. So you can't over, you know, we talk about, oh, we're going without a 
pint of the pub or people have lost their lives. So we, we have to actually tailor our comments in regard to the national disaster that this is. But at the same time, life has to go on. You know, we could, this virus is not going anywhere. Don't worry about that. It's not going anywhere. You can lock down as much as you like. And within a few weeks of coming out of lockdown, you may well get another surge and you've yeah. achieved virtually nothing. So, and what's the answer? The answer is a vaccine. Well, listen, we've had flu for hundreds of years and we haven't got an efficient vaccine for flu. So yeah. there's no reason to suspect we're suddenly going to find an efficient vaccine for COVID-19. We will find things that limit the danger. We will live a different type of life and we will, one way or another, we will make do. But we're going to have to accept that this is not going away. Economically, our children will be paying for the price of what yeah. this country's going through for the next 10 years. We're, but the good news about it is the whole world's in the same boat. So if everyone suddenly lost, if everyone in the world lost 100 quid, it wouldn't make any difference because everybody's 100 pounds worse off than they were, but no one's better off, you know? So we just have to take what they, what they throw at us. Government are, unfortunately, ruled by a little bit of knee-jerk reaction. They're ruled by good headlines in tabloid newspapers that make them feel good about themselves. Uh, and that doesn't last. We need fundamentals. Our test and trace system is a disaster. It's cost a fortune. We're supposed to be smart. We look stupid. And we have to learn. But on the plus side, there are vaccines coming through that will eventually give us a rapid test. And that will, in turn, I'm talking to the government on Friday about this, in turn, that we may well allow spectators at sports, for example, because it may be possible, maybe, to test every single sports fan before they go into an arena. And if we can do that at the right price, then there's no need to social distancing because everybody's negative. Mm. So you're going to have to think outside the box. You're going to have to dig deep in your savings. You're going to have to spend money. What you mustn't do is roll over, give up, and say, oh, it's a bloody disaster. We all know it's a bloody disaster. Just get on with it now. And these lockdowns, temporary lockdowns, will not have any long-lasting effect. The only long-lasting effect will be mass vaccination, which it will not remove the virus, but it will put a bloody great dent in it, and we're going to have to live with the rest until, until it's our time to go, and everybody yeah. gets their time. Barry, are you looking into testing uh, people as they arrive for some yeah. of your events? Yeah, I am. I mean, we're, I've been looking at it for a long time. I experimented in Germany last weekend with a crowd uh, and experimented with a new 10-minute uh, test that cost 10 euros. And, you know, it's, it is logistically a problem, but it's a potential way out. And what I'm saying is while we're going through this intermediary period of coming to terms with this virus, we can't... Uh, you know, there's some stupid decisions as well going on, right? You know, you don't allow people at horse racing. Come on. Have you seen the amount of space there is? You don't allow people in a football ground. Well, come on. You know, know. you can't tell me that organised properly you can't have a 1,000 people at a football ground. That'd be ridiculous. Money stadium holds 30,000, 40,000. Let's have a bit of common sense and let's have an understanding that we're never going to get it perfect, but we've got to somehow get back to reality. The mental health issue and what sport does for the nation cannot be yeah. underestimated. But what yeah. we're seeing is, for example, in the sport of boxing. In the sport of boxing, um, I mean, Eddie's just a phenomenal operator, has done a great job, and I'm my hat off to him. But 
I'm hearing of fighters retiring every week because there's no bloody work. When they closed the mines, there was no point in being a miner. There was no bloody work. So if you're going to have a situation where you take away the bread off the table of their family, the, the sportsman and woman has no choice. They've got to go out and find alternative employment. And that's a long-term danger that none of us can afford. On that test, Barry, uh, what, you know, the 10-minute test, because I, I, I've done an empty Wembley for the Rugby League Cup final. I'm doing Wales, uh, Scotland on Saturday in an empty stadium. So, yeah. you know, there's people in there. My, my, I got to fill a couple of forms out just to say that I haven't been in touch with anyone. But when I turn up on the day, I just have my temperature taken um, and then I've got to stick to these kind of uh, yeah. zones. So what's, what's the 10... Because I'm sure if, it, if it's oh. 10 pound, whether it's the business that pays for it or I'm looking at if people can oh, go yeah. to the game, if people yeah, can go to the game and pay 10 pound extra, I yeah. think people are so fed up with you know, being clammed yeah. up. They would yeah. do it. So what's that 10-minute min, 10 test entail? Well, the, the idea is it's a swab, it's a swab test. It's a saliva-based swab test. Okay. You know, I mean, basically... You stick it up, you, you put the test in a little jar, and within 10 minutes, depending on what, <clears throat> what colour it goes, tells you whether you're positive or negative. Couldn't be easier. Yeah, Logistically, easy. if you're trying to get 40,000, 50,000 people into a stadium, it's a problem. But if I'm trying to get, I don't know, let's say I'm trying to get 1,000 people into a snooker match or a darts match, yeah, I can cope yeah. with that. Uh, I'm trying to think, could I get it right for AJ's fight on December the 12th of the 02? Could I get four or 5,000? How many, how many, you know, and you look at the logistics, which is the secret of success in the sports business, you know, logistically, can we cope with how many, how many testing stations will we need? Yeah, how many people yeah. could we do per minute? And, you know, Hunter, actually, if he's desperate to go and watch a sports event, he don't mind standing around for 10 minutes. No. Then you, and then you, literally get, no, you, know, no. you get the call out, don't you? Number 17, cut <laughs> her off. You're... you're <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only that's the only downside. It's like like sorry, get lost. Yeah, but we've had that. But I mean, we, we we were the first people to go behind to do behind closed door sport. We did snooker, we did darts, we've done ten pin bowling. We've had I've tested thousands of people. I think I've had something like nine positive tests out of thousands of people. I've spent three or four hundred thousand pounds on testing players only officials, players, workers. I've created a safe environment which the government established. Yeah. And the best thing is we haven't reduced our prize money by a penny in any event we've done. So the boys and girls are earning money. And, you know, that's what sport's about. The atmosphere is the second. The first thing is making sure they've got a living. I mean, it's as basic as that. Yeah. Too many people are giving up. Giving up. The sad, the sad thing is you can't get, you know, like... In professional sport, anything, if you can't practice or train, you know, it's very difficult. And that's, I think that's what they've got to kind of overcome with you know, the, the, the players. Even, you know, if you've got teams, yeah, if you've got teams, team environment is going to be even more difficult. But okay. the individual uh, athlete, I think it's mentally tougher because you're not mixing with other people. So you've got to graft yourself, find an but environment that's why, where you That's can why train. darts is taking over the world. Yeah. Because you can put a dartboard up in your bedroom, in your yeah, garage. No. You know, you no. can smash the granny out of the treble 20, whatever you like, <laughs> can't you? And these guys are coming out and actually the standard's going up because they're getting so good because they're practising all the time. Barry, I mean, what is the potential for darts still? Hey, eh? What is the potential for darts still to grow? 
must be where I tell you, bro. I've had, I mean, I don't know when I bought darts, probably 15, 16 years ago. The best deal I ever did in my life. The best financial deal I've ever seen. The best people I've ever worked with in any sport because they're humble, they're grateful, they come from nowhere. And for them to earn a million quid a year, it's not like a premiership football. This is real money for real people. They're ordinary people with extraordinary ability. I've never been so motivated by a sport that has no... The one thing that's always got on my tits is barriers to entry, you know. I hate barriers to entry. Where I come from, it was a struggle. We talk about all these movements now. They all The one thing they've all got in common is they create barriers to entry, and that's got to be removed. Sport is the one issue where there are no barriers. It's about ability. And, of course, if there's no clubs to join, expensive equipment to buy... A sport of darts is ready now to globalise everywhere as an entertaining game that you see on TV where you can make a good living where it doesn't cost you a lot of money. To play. It must be like, when you think of it, when I went, well, you know, we watched it, it was massive because we had like, you know, Leighton Reese and Alan Evans. But then in those days, you had your Cliff Lazarenkos, your uh, George, uh, John Lowe and Bristol. So it was mainly a British game. Whereas yeah. now, as you said, Barry... Oh. You it's put a dartboard anywhere, all of a sudden, oh, no. it's going to be it's going to be an amazing Chinese darts play somewhere, the, right? The, the, yeah, the, an America will kick off. But with us as well, you know, um, Gerwin Price is at the yeah. doing well at the oh, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gerwin, Gerwin was a really good rugby player, right? Yeah. A really, really good rugby player. Yeah. And maybe he could have made it, if, you know, may, not to regional level, maybe just short of international level. And he's just gone, I'll tell you what, I'm jumping ship. So he's yeah. given up his, his light, you know, his rugby sporting life. But, and now he is a yeah. top dart player. And he will earn much more in darts than he will oh, in... Uh, mate, mate, and, and, he won, uh, and he won't have his head kicked in as well. <laughs> well, he might do. Every now and again, he gets a bit stroppy. <laughs> yeah, he gets a bit of outside. Yeah. It, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be in the studio. But you I think know, about what, what Gerwin Price is a great example. He's bought the professionalism that exists in sport to achieve. And he's brought it into darts. So he's applied himself the same way in darts as he did on the rugby field. He wants to be the best yeah. he can be. Phil Taylor, the greatest player of all time, when I asked him once, how did you get so good? He'd been, it's not really a problem, Barry. When I used to work for 50 quid a week making ceramic toilet yeah. holders, I clock on at nine, I clock off at 12 and I have my lunch hour, and I clock on at two and I clock off at five. See, I just do the same. See, I put in a day's work. It's not a hobby, it's a sport. And Gerwin Price is, you know, he's a million pound a year darts player. Well, there ain't that many rugby players earning a no. million quid a year. No. Um, and he's no. likely to have, because he has the mindset of a top professional, he's likely to last a long time because they understand yeah. it's basic. You get out what you put in. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got, if you're a genius and there's about one in every, I don't know, 500 million people, you can get away with not putting the work in sometimes. Yeah. Everybody else, myself included, and I'm quite up there when it comes to geniuses, I still have to put in a 16-hour day to make sure that my genius is recognised. And yeah. Gerwin Price, I think, Gerwin Price is a great example for youngsters all over the country. Yeah. Do the work. Do the work. It doesn't matter if you're studying for your A-levels. It doesn't matter if you're playing cars. It doesn't matter if you want to be a long-distance runner. You have to put the graft in. It's no magic secret. No, no magic secret. No, no. no it helps if you've no. got God-given ability. 
Yeah. It's I mean, I was useless at everything. I always wanted to be a top sportsman. I grew up wanting to be heavyweight champion in the world. Then I found out I wasn't very good at fighting. I had a lot of career setbacks. But the difference is, I give it 100%. I was as good as I could be. When I went into business, I found out that I had a little bit of God-given ability. Without that, you don't achieve superstar. Barry, when you started, uh, I, remember, I remember talking to you about the fact that you, you, you'd studied history. You'd studied yeah. great boxers in the past, hadn't you? Yeah. I don't know if you remember a conversation we had one day about, was it Rocky Marciano? Yeah. The, the lucky face? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you said yeah. at the time, I've got a lucky face. Yeah, you need to you need to have a bit of luck in everything. You know, there's no doubt. You can be the smartest kid on the block, but if you're in the right right place at the right time, and you've got a bit of luck. I mean, my whole life, Ray, is scattered with instances of how on earth was I so lucky? You, know, you take the credit for it, of course. You tell everyone you're a genius. But when I bought, I bought a load of snooker rules in the 70s, a year before the BBC put snooker on mainstream television. Everyone <laughs> said I was a genius. It was luck. You know, I started wanting to do events, and all of a sudden this ginger kid walks in off the street and says, can I play in your competition? He ends up being Steve Davis. Pure luck. Eubank suddenly wants to see me in Sheffield as a young black fighter with no, 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 no record. Ends up being one of the most charismatic fighters and makes us all millions of Pure luck. Of course buddy, you've got to have some buddy, skill buddy, to take that's not, Yeah, I think they, there's no luck when, you know, they, they come and see you. You've done the hard work, right? You can yeah. have on the on the way up. So, you know, it's luck. They, they are, they're shrewd boys because they've gone, I tell you what, I've got, a, I've got an ability and I think I want to make some money out of it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the man. Barry Earn is the man I've got to get to see. So I don't think there's any luck. Uh, well, you know, the, you, the did, most you worked a reputation. Yeah, I know, but the, the most important thing is you mustn't take yourself too seriously because that's oh, when you make mistakes. So yeah. for me to say it's pure luck, I'm not an idiot. I know I'm the best yeah. in the world at what I do, by the way. But I'm not... I'm, I'm super not vain, you know. I just appreciate talent. Talent I watch and talent I have. But by me saying it's pure luck, see, what that does in my psyche is it stops me getting complacent. It stops me <laughs> yeah, taking yeah. things for granted. So yeah. I don't leave. I don't leave a tenor on the table, mate. I don't care what I've got. There's standards. There's ability. I won't, you know. I mean, listen, I ran marathons all around the world. I was never going to win any of them. But I gave everything I had every single time I competed. And that is the same attitude I bring to, to, to business. I give everyone, you know, you're with me as a client, I will take a bullet for you. No question. Not a question. Yeah. But you have to make that commitment and you mustn't believe that you're better than you are. So you have to be yeah. a little bit playing that down. But of course, when you go to bed at night, you know you're the best in the world, don't you? <laughs> Barry, how would you describe the crucible atmosphere? Well, to my mind, the crucible atmosphere is like reading a proper Agatha Christie novel. It builds. It builds and builds and builds. And you don't know until you get to the last chapter, last page, last paragraph. You don't know how. The uncertainty is there, so you don't. It's, you, you don't say, I've seen this before. It creates unique moments. 
I mean, one of the reasons why you know, I had an offer to take the world championships, as you know, to China, could have made millions and millions of pounds out of it. Even my son, Eddie, said, Dad, you're, you're playing this so well, they're going to pay you a fortune. I said, son, we're not going. <laughs> he went, no, 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 I understand what you're doing. You're just building a price, aren't you? I went, no, boy, we're not going. And he's like, Dad, that's, not, that's completely out of keeping with your whole life. And I said, there are certain things you don't mess about with. One of them is history. Mm. And that, I said, on my tombstone, I mean, I know Spike Milligan said, I told you I was ill on his tombstone, which I love. <laughs> you know, on my tombstone, we'll never say, this is the bloke that took snooker out of the crucible. Because it's uh, one of the most unique, mm. unique atmospheres. I have, you've been around sport all your life, right? Same as all of us. There's certain things you'll never forget. You'll remember your career. You'll, you'll go to sleep some nights and you'll think, you know, I was on fire that day. Yeah, we, we have, I have all the bad ones erased by therapy, you know. But on the good bits, when you play around the golf, you never remember a bad shot. You only right. remember the good shot. And when you're around the sporting scene, you remember brilliant moments. I remember sitting on a beach in 1966. After the bar was English. After the bar was German, we watched a little football match from Wembley, and we ended up having one of the best punch-ups between the crowds <laughs> on the beach afterwards. And that's that's what sport. That's the passion. That's why we're involved. Yeah. Because the Crucible, whether it's the Crucible, whether it's Wimbledon, <clears throat> whether it's Lords, whether it's you know, Twickenham, it creates moments that never, ever leave us. And what you should all do, because I've done it, is you should write down the 10 things, the 10 moments when you felt a big adrenaline push. Because when you die, when you go up to heaven, you, all you need to do before you go, I'll have a cup of tea, darling, thank you. Um, Make lovely ration, yes, yes. <laughs> thank you very much, dear. Seems like a nice girl, terrible cup of tea. When you die, you want to remember the adrenaline that was pumping through your body. And it's oh, yeah. fascinating how that feeling translates into today's world. When we signed Anthony Joshua, I was really excited, obviously, because he's a massive name. Yeah. Anthony's such a lovely, lovely man. But he's got a suspicion in him because old grey hair, fat promoters, they all think we're gangsters, you know. Well, we're not really because chartered accountants make terrible gangsters. That's the rule of life. But... After about six months of getting to know him, he turned around to me and said, what do you really want? He said, I know you've got a load of money. What do you really want out of me? And I said, Anthony, I want 1% of your adrenaline. That's, that's and what you And I think, right, you know, that, that is so true. When I retired, you know, I don't, I don't miss playing because time catches up with all of us. But when you're stood there, right, in the tunnel, England, Wales, Wales, France, Wales, Australia, Wales, New Zealand, you'll never ever replace yeah. that feeling. No matter what you do in life afterwards, no. and that's what's and that's what's amazing about sport, right? And also, I, I find it amazing for you. You got snooker there, the crucible, right? Can you you can hear a pin drop? And then I think that the furthest part of the scale, you got a heavyweight boxing championship, yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. and the adrenaline. 
yeah. but it's still the same. The yeah. matter of the sport is so different. And I think I, I love boxing. I remember, you know, one of those moments, right? I remember going home Saturday night from the rugby club, going to watch Colin Jones versus Milton McCrory, right? No, so it wasn't must be, it, it, it wasn't Milton McCrory. And, yeah, he fought he Milton McCrory, and wasn't it uh, Don no, Curry he, as well? No, he, he fought, sorry, Curry's the one. I, I went to that yeah. fight with Curry. Yeah, oh, he's and I, him, unfortunately. And I, I backed Curry to win in the fourth round at 33 to 1. So that was a good oh. night for me. Yeah, but, but even then, he fought like he was a grave digger from Gosainen, right? And no. all of a sudden, we're all watching him on, on television. But to me, there's two things in sport. One is fastest man in the world and the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. Those two, when you grow up, but you just, know just, who they are. Just, all the general, time. just generally on sport, you must never forget how lucky you are. Yeah. People like me cut their arm off to have one moment of your career. And that is a gift of God that no one can take away from you. you know, yeah. I, I, everything I've ever done, I've always wanted to be the best at. And unfortunately in sport, I was always second or third, never the best. But I'm so envious. Feelings going through professional sportsmen and women's bodies yeah. when they are about to compete. Because it's a unique, and I always say to them, don't take this for granted. It will not last enjoy it soak it up put the work yeah. in to put the work in to be as good as you can be but then sit back with a smile on your face and say i was someone special because we've all got to have a high opinion of ourselves otherwise we just get lost in the crowd right yeah. we've all and everybody in this world is brilliant at something better than everybody else at something the sadness is most of them don't find out what that was because they didn't yeah. have the opportunity and our job is to give them opportunity. And people like you and the other great sportsmen, we're in, we're in awe of you. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Look at this. I mean, your hair's not the same colour as it used to be. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> trying to look young. But the thing no, is, like, well, what, great, what's, what, what you've got to understand is you're our heroes. And that's not blowing smoke up here. That's just realising you're different. And that means... I remember, that I remember yeah, I remember... Ray came down to film me once in this weird story and I was I was playing in the sevens tournament and he said he came up to me and said uh, oh we need uh, we need a shot of you kind of maybe scoring somewhere I said oh okay I said go and set the camera up over there right and then next time I get the ball I'll dive in front of your camera <laughs> and Ray said what do you mean you're going to do that I said yeah don't worry I'll do it like you know don't, just just uh, just to get the shot that's true Ray isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is true <laughs> and, <he's> saying, <laughs> and you could deliver Barry the crucible, surely the interior, surely the interior of the crucible should be listed. Uh, I, you mentioned before about moments in sport. Walking into the crucible, whether it's empty, actually walking into the crucible empty yeah. is actually more powerful. Yeah. At the end of every final, I used to go back there about three in the morning and yeah. just walk around the empty yeah. crucible because it was absolutely so powerful. But I was going to say, if they could, do you think Steve Davis and Stephen Hendry, if they could, do you think they'd give one of their world titles to Jimmy White? Because that was always a massive <laughs> Jimmy, well, look, I've known Jimmy since he was 12 years old. I can honestly say, as a human being, he's hardly changed at all. <laughs> he's just a lovely man. And what is the time? You can't con people in over a long period of time. You can con people over a short period of time. 
sometimes. The fact that Jimmy has a love affair with snooker doesn't need explaining. He's still playing as hard as he can now. He still believes he can still do something. He has a love of the game that you just can't take away. You know, I gave him a two-year tour card this year. He dropped off the tour because sport owes Jimmy White. And he is one of the great losers as well. And, you know, the fact that he had, what, six world finals without winning one. He had a black off spot against Hendry that that I would pop with my eyes closed. These these become parts of the legends of the game that create conversation the same way as Davis and Taylor's black ball finish in 1985. In any any sport, there will be games. I always look back on the old Barbarians match against the All Was it Barbarians against the All Yeah, Old Blacks, yeah. Oh, man, you know, some of those tries, the run-in, J.P. Williams, all, yeah. Bloody Nora. I mean, these folks were proper, weren't they? These things, this is the joy we bring. These things last forever. You'll be showing that to your... You, you'll have things that you'll show to your grandchildren. Oh, yeah. You know, and you'll be proud to show them. But it's amazing in sport, you, you know, the, when you get... When you, when you mention snooker, again, you know, as a nation... You know, we had Ray Reardon and, and Terry Griffiths, right? And uh, Doug Mountjoy. So we were up there. And we were up there in darts as well. So yeah. the whole nation follows it. But what, what about sport is, it's competition. So when you, when you mention, oh yeah, Steve Davis, Jimmy White not winning the World Championship, that's because the talent around him at the time and the competition was, was incredible. And I think in the boxing now, is that what you're trying to create in boxing again? Now you've got your Fury and Joshua. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the one that everybody wants. They're so yeah. different yeah. characters, right? You know, that's, all, that's like the sport is a, and Borg, isn't it? Listen, all sport is a soap opera. Yeah. Put aside the sporting side, the excellence, because we only dream of that. The job of our, our job, really, is to create personalities around the sportsmen so they effectively get as big or bigger than the game, which enhances their own personal value and drives aspirational levels for kids to want to be like that. So yeah. you take, and now you don't change a person, you just draw out his inner secret. You know, I remember getting half a dozen snooker players together in the early 80s and said, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be Dallas with balls. Right? Dallas with balls. So you're all going to have a role to play. So I said, Davis, you're the boring one. You wear, <laughs> you wear a white shirt, you drink water, and you don't say anything. Terry Griffiths, you're Welsh, so you will sing at the table because everyone <laughs> in Wales thinks they can sing. And you will comb your hair because you think I've got Willie Thorne. <laughs> Willie Thorne, oh, you yeah. will just have a bet on everything because you're a mad oh, yeah. gambler. Ellis yeah. Taylor, you're the mad Irishman that will tell jokes. And we went through everyone like this. And, I, and it wasn't changing their personality. It was bringing out their personality. So we could sell it to a wider audience. We are selling lump to coal because that's the best way to get the best price for a lump of coal. The players are part of that process. And you the same, you know, the danger with rugby and football is that you're, you're moving at speed. Sometimes you're difficult to identify so you've got to work extra hard on building your profile. Yeah. In today's world, when you was playing, you would have three or four million social media followers around the world. And that would be a business view that would make you more money than you've ever seen. Yeah. And that's yeah. my job, to make sure that people know who you are. So it's what, a what, mixture Yeah, it's amazing. When you, when you come across a flawed genius, right, do you say, yeah. oh, this bloke, this is it. This is what, this is 
my kind of golden nugget here. For example, now, Ronnie O'Sullivan, if you dropped Ronnie O'Sullivan into the Davis Henry era, right? Well, that, that would have been. We a, did. We did. Yeah. I mean, he had his own story. Yes, he yes. was a prodigy. He was a fabulous player as a 12 year old. He had a dad that went to prison. You know, yeah. I mean, he had lots and lots of side issue stories. And we can't just ignore those. That's part and parcel of building the brand. And then Ronnie developed, as he would, as his own personality, where yeah. he's a bloody good runner, for example, terrific yeah. runner. He I could know. pick up a tennis bat. He could pick up a golf club. He'd be a great player. And he drives you mad. He's a natural genius. He's a natural genius. So these people, they create their own persona. Just imagine you're building a fire. The fire is the player. And the fire is what burns you, and the fire is what warms you. Somewhere along the road, people like me are stoking that fire. So we're making yeah. the fire bigger, we're making yeah. it more powerful, yeah. we're yeah. making it do more of a job. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a partnership between everyone. And sometimes they get a bit, you know, you say a flawed thing, you should come across an addict Higgins, for example. Oh, that, yeah, would, you know, one minute you'd have Brilliant. him up against a wall, you want to knock him out. <laughs> and the next minute, you want to put your arm around him and give him a kiss on the cheek because he's a lovable rogue. But if you take... And these people drive you mad. Bonnie O'Sullivan will drive me mad. But that's what I love. If you take that special bit out of them, they don't make the same contribution to the school. No. You've got but that's why you're, 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 you're a good manager. Barry, that's why you know, you're successful yeah. you're a good manager because understanding people. I oh, think that's the number one yeah, ingredient, yeah. I think, for success. Managing totally people. Right. Totally yeah. right. When we had, when we had Lake Glory in, in our glory years or, you know, in, in 19 years of frustration, we had one season where we had 11 captains on the field. We had the lowest payroll in the whole of the division and it didn't matter. Do you know what I did? I went in the dressing room on the first day and there's all these blokes ready for the new season. Optimism shines brightly. We're shit. Right? We are shit. I've gone in there with a dirty great mat and I've stuck this mat on the dressing room wall. And I gave the captain a plastic plane. And I said, guys, this is London and that is Las Vegas. And I've divided the distance in points between London and Las Vegas. One point gets you a little bit, three points gets you a bit further. And the only person that's allowed to touch a plastic plane is you, the captain. No one else touches that plane. And every match you play this season, when you come back to the dressing room, win, lose or draw, that plane will either stay where it is, it will go up one point or it will go up three. <laughs> For the whole season, no one talked about win bonuses. No one talked about wages. No one talked about anything other than where are we on the plane. <laughs> and when we finally got the Vegas, that gave us promotion. Yeah, that, brilliant. You know, now that is man management. It doesn't cost the fortune. By the way, when we went to Vegas, everyone said to me, that's generous of you. You're going to take 35 people to Las Vegas. Within a day, the Hard Rock Cafe said, what a great idea. How many rooms do you need for free? Virgin Atlantic phoned me up and said, who's flying you and will you wear a T-shirt? I ended up, took 35 people to Las Vegas and it cost me $5,000 and we had a blinding time. 
I remember you singing Viva Las Vegas on the television. When oh, I thought, I, I listen, you've got to have passion. You've got to have passion. Yeah. If you haven't got it, don't be in this game. Go and be like I was, a boring accountant, which probably the best I thing I ever did was becoming an accountant because he gave me a different type of vision. But there's certain people for certain jobs. When you watch yeah. Eddie pitch a big fight now, he's so much better than me, right? information but the work that's gone in what people don't see yeah. he, he makes me laugh about, he makes me laugh as well he makes me oh, laugh no he's oh. a funny last night he's he did funny, last night he did cambridge university right now he was a rascal at school he got slung out of everywhere because he was a, like his dad full of mouth bullshit fire everybody <laughs> you know so he got slung out last night this is gospel true he sent a text to his mum because his mum was always gutted that her son didn't go to university, didn't do this, didn't get his A-levels, other. He sent a text to his mum last night. Mum, I told you I'd get to Cambridge. He was speaking <laughs> at the Cambridge University. I, I got exactly the same story, right? I'm, I'm very similar. I was up to school at 16, right? I, I spoke at uh, Oxford University yeah, and I yeah. did exactly the same. I took a photo of yeah, me yeah. in Oxford. I sent it to my mum. I went, I made it, mum. I made it. And she just well, said, well, oh, the thing is, up. Okay. We, we've been blessed to get these freebies, right? So I got, I got an honorary doctorate from uh, East London University, an honorary doctorate of business. And it's given me the chance to say what I've always wanted to say to everyone. Trust me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> of all Barry, your sports, of all your sports, Barry, do you have, you know, a favourite? No. You're, no. I, know, I thought, no, no, it's no. amazing. I mean, the, the different sports give different, as, as Ray said about the crucible, there's a different feeling at the crucible than there yeah. is a yeah. week for a yeah. the fight. There's a different feeling when you're at Fisher Mania and you see yeah. a geezer come <laughs> out of council house somewhere who's trying to get 50 grand that's going to change yeah. his life and he's concentrating for six hours and build the same type of atmosphere. There's a different feeling when you bowl a 300 game at 10 pin yeah. bowling because it's yeah. the dream. There's a different yeah. feeling when you make a hole in one or you win a golf tournament. You know, I'm just in awe of anyone with God-given ability and my role is to make to maximise that ability and make sure that not you don't want people just slapping you on the back saying you were great when you were young. They want to say you were great when you were up and I love the big house you've got on the hill and the expensive car and the fact that your kids look nice. That's yeah. not yeah. just the sport side. Barry, I remember making a film with you some 30 years ago and the final line of the film was Barry Hearn is so far ahead of the game, the rest need snookers, which <laughs> I thought was a really good line that yeah. uh, my colleague came up with. Yeah. So what's next? Same as, would you move no. to something else as well? Would you, no. go, would you go to another sport? No, was, no, wasn't, no, that no. Mention, wasn't that a mention, wasn't that a mention, Barry, that uh, you or, or both of you or Eddie were going to go, you touched with Rugby League? We, we looked at Rugby League because we like the game. Mm. Um, I like the blokes that play it. I like the fact that it's proper. It's proper. There's no, fa there's no famous in Rugby League. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think rugby's more dangerous than boxing, by the way, but that's another story. But we, we look at probably three or four different sports every year and, and very rarely one of them comes through because there's there's a criteria you know there's about 120 of us in the match room fold you know we're, we're a big company now we have offices in new york in, in shanghai and beijing i mean we're not the little that come out of the east end and started underneath a billy door we've grown no 
and we've got great people to work with us, which is the secret. So where it's changing is I'm just beginning to take half a sensible tablet in the morning. So I'm 73 in June. I can still kickstart a jumbo. Well, you and me might, you, you might win, but I'll definitely beat something. So I'm coming to the terms now where I've spent 40 years building what I think best sports promotion business in the world, built on the right principles, and that's important to me. And I think I've built a team of people are ready to take it to the next level, led by my son, who is a better operator in boxing than I ever was. So you have to acknowledge excellence in every field. And now it's becoming my time to start just exiting to a sort of floating over role, if that makes sense. No more, you know, I'm, listen, I've done my juice 16 hours a day, seven days a week for the last four years. Wouldn't change a second of it. But now there's time now to let the next ones have their head. I think I've built the best squad out there in, in any sport, which is the same principles. Now, now they're going across the white line on their own. I want to see what they're capable of. It's going to be exciting watching them. They might mess it all up. They might spunk all my money. And you know what? I don't give a shit. <laughs> time has beaten us. Uh, great thanks to Kerry London for sponsoring this series of Jiffy and Stubbsy. Barry, what a pleasure to listen to you. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. And uh, stay well, sir. Keep well. I'm going to do my yeah. best, Stubbsy. You look after I yourself, boys. I knew. I'm so, I, I, so, I so wish, you know, you'd have got into rugby when I was playing. It'd have been, uh, it'd been an amazing journey to go with you, Barry, to be honest. Yeah, you'd have been a lot more wealthy, mate, but that's life. <laughs> just, got to live, just live poor, you know. Think humble. Think humble. <laughs> I always do. I always do. That's I know. It's I good. It's good. We are what we are. Don't kid yourself if someone we're not. And one day we won't be here. So let's just enjoy the moment. And that's why this exactly. COVID thing, we've got to face it front on. We'll get it sorted and then we'll ignore it and we'll go back to normality. And when we do, what we're all realising is what we're losing. What we're losing. You never appreciate anything or anybody until you've lost them. Yeah. So let's not make that mistake. Let's appreciate everything and everybody today. God bless all of you. Stay healthy, all right? And thanks for listening to Jiffy and Stubbsy. Hope you'll join us again. Please hit the subscribe button.